Okay. So I'm going to start by asking you a question. And by the way, in case I forget to say this, this is going to be a two-way deal. So I'm not going to be up here preaching and so forth. That's up to Rich. Um, but I'm really hopeful that we have a lot of dialogue both ways. So why did you come to the class? Aside from you always go to a class first hour. That, you, can't, you can't use that. What are you expecting? Um, just any anything uh, you might want to share about what you might be hoping to learn. I was hoping to suffer along with his teacher this morning. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh, good. To learn how to bear suffering better. Yes. And I think I think Bren said um, that to be able to help others. Uh, also, which I think is a very important thing because God calls us into all these relationships, right? Anybody else? I think suffering is kind of like a topic like how to study God's word because it's always going to be relevant. Because we live in a broken world. So I took your class the last round, but I was like, I'll take it again. Like I still need to learn and grow in this area and think through it. So Yeah, no, that's that's great. I I, I, again, every time I'm involved with it, and I do it outside of this, outside of church, is, is I have the privilege to be involved in things with suffering. And uh, I mean, I, I'm constantly learning. I think you said it right. I mean, it really gets down to getting, drawing closer to him through his word and practically applying it to life. And in this case, it's practically applying it to, to suffering. So we never stop learning or growing, which is really a privilege. Because we're most teachable when we're in trouble. And at least I am, not on the mountaintops. So, well, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, why don't we open in prayer and uh, we'll get started. Father God, we, uh, we just thank you that we can come before you today, any day, anywhere. And uh, we praise your holy name. And uh, Lord, we just love this church. We are so thankful to have the teaching and the warmth and the growth opportunities and the opportunities to serve at New Community. It's such a privilege and that we can have these classes and where we can open up your word and learn together how to take what you teach us and apply it to our lives. We just praise you and thank you and pray that this time would be a blessing and uh, these six weeks would be a privilege and we would just grow together uh, as we learn more about you, who you are, and how you promise to join us wherever we are, even if our circumstances don't change. We love you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I'd like to do is uh, just provide a little basic context for the class, and then I'll, I'll give you a taste for the six weeks. So hopefully that grabs your attention and you'll want to come back uh, we'll get into more meat, you know, the, the next five weeks. But uh, I guess I'll start with a, another question. Why, uh, why is there suffering in the world? Adam. Yes. Wow. That's already a gold star. But go ahead and d develop that just a little bit. Correct. But what about them? Yeah, I mean, Genesis 3, uh, it sounds basic to us, but, you know, when they rebelled and wanted to be like God, we, we're very familiar, the, the, the fall and all the consequences, what a wonderful gift he gave us. <laughs> Not, um, yes, sin, Kathy. Sin causes suffering, and um, I feel like when, I don't feel, um, when Satan fell, he suffered, he wants us to suffer. Yeah, I mean, the brokenness just has no limits. You know, sin, disease, just the general brokenness from that rebellion. Uh, let me ask a question. Do Christians, do, do we, are we able to avoid suffering because we're Christians? Some, some teachers, they're pastors that will teach that. And uh, not only do we not avoid, I mean, we're just, you know, we're, we're part of the, the whole deal. One of the things we're going to talk about in the class is that suffering, painful trials are inevitable. 
and they're even normal. I mean, they can be horrible, but we should be, we shouldn't be surprised when we come across major crisis. And like a lot of things in life, if we have a proper perspective, and you're going to hear me talk about this a lot. I mean, in my quiet time in the morning, one of the biggest things I'm doing is, is getting a right perspective because I get out of whack all the time in, in all kinds of different ways. So it's, it's me listening to him, crying out, listening in the word, getting my mind right to be thinking his way. And just keep that in mind with this class. What we're going to learn together is having a healthy biblical perspective, not just in life, but we're talking about in this particular area of trials. And so um, if, we're, if we're prepared, let's say, let's say some people in here are, that I know, they're getting crushed right now. Some of us have been crushed before, some later, and we also are used by the master in all kinds of other relationships. So the more prepared we are to understand who he is and what he has to say about it, not only the more peace and joy we can have in the midst of crisis, but the more we can be used. So um, let me ask a question. Please share with me what would be some of the shapes and sizes of types of trials? What categories can you think of that where we would have trials? Death of a loved one. Death of a loved one. Yes. Yes. Think about, and, and that relationships, there's so many within that. There are others. Keep, uh, keep going. Which one? Uh, work. Yes. Work. Absolutely. Illness. Yes, health. Health is a big one. How about financial? How about, how about the consequences of our sin or the sin of others? can be a category. Um, how about? Regret. Yes. Regret. Yes, regret. How about persecution for our faith in today's world? So there are, there are many, many categories, but it's very broad in range. And uh, so scripture, as we know, is full of real life stories of trials and suffering. Let's... Uh, Let's name two or three people, maybe one that would come to mind, the Sunday school answer. Who, who suffered greatly in Scripture? Christ. Right. What, 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 do, what do we call him? What's one of the names for him in Isaiah? The suffering, the suffering servant. You're getting lots of gold stars today, Bram. <laughs> so leading up, you know, in his, his ministry and then leading up to... Uh, the cross and the cross. So could somebody read Luke 22, 39 to 44, and somebody else get ready to read Isaiah 53, 3 to 5, please. Luke 22, 39 to 44. What was the Isaiah? Isaiah 53, 3 to 5. Just somebody go for it. Luke 22. And he came out and went as it was his custom in the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation, and withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I would say that's suffering. <laughs> um, and Isaiah 53, 3 to 5. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us to peace, and with, brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. 
Thank you. So two, two really powerful verses. Um, how about somebody else that comes to mind? There's so many, but one that was used by God to write, what, 13 of the books of the New Testament? Right. Somebody please read 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 to 27. Thank you. I mean, I don't know about you all, but that's that's pretty brutal. <laughs> and there, there are so many more examples we have. But the point is, uh, scriptures replete with with suffering. And uh, again, so in, in the context, we're going to be investigating the scriptures. We want to we want to understand what he says, what his promises are, what his word is so we can think right. And, and, and how we embrace him and invite God in. And that's going to be a big thing we're going to be talking about, whether we turn to the master or we run away, whether we stuff things or bring them in honesty to him. But basically, he desires to equip us. He, he's sovereign. He desires his best for us. And to use even our worst times for his best to grow us, to, to, to draw us closer. And we'll talk about these more, but we'll read two more verses, if we could, along the lines of him desiring his best like this, wanting to make us more like him. Romans 8, 28 and 29. You could probably do that by memory. Romans 8, 28 and 29, and then Philippians 2, verse 13. So... Somebody go ahead with Romans 8. That would be great. Somebody knew. Romans 8. 20, 28 and 29. And we know that all things work together for good and then Philippians 2, 13. For it is God who works in you, both the will and the work for his good pleasure. Yeah, read that again and just, just be heartened by what Tony's reading. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Wow. <laughs> the Lord of the universe desiring his best for us, his will for us. Not my best for me, his best. Well, thank you. So, so we're going to learn that the scriptures, the scripture, don't, by the way, use this as your outline. I haven't said that. You know, it, that's a rough thing we'll be following. That we can be hopeful and even joyful, not in the pain, not in the trials themselves, but in this opportunity out of desperation to turn to the Lord hopeful, joyful, and even have a peace for, you know, he promises, and we're not going to read these scriptures, but he promises to join us in the pit, to be right with us in our circumstances, even if our circumstances don't change. He took my wife home. That's not what I was praying. I finally started praying two things, you know, cure her completely, and then your will be done. It took me a while to do the your will be done, but our circumstances may not go our way, it may not change, but he is right there. And that might, may sound like, I mean, we don't always process that. And it's important that we believe. And I'm going to read, and I don't know who this quote was, and I'm going to ask you to explain it to the class, if you could, somebody. We naturally, not in a good sense, tend to look at God through our circumstances rather than looking at our circumstances through God. 
we naturally tend to look at him through our circumstances rather than looking at our circumstances through him. Somebody please explain what that is telling us. Have you had a, f go ahead, Gary. Well, the world says if there's a God, he wouldn't allow the sin. Exactly. That one time, he eliminated that evil through Noah's flood. And we just regenerated it again. So it's not God. It's us. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that that's very helpful. And I, and I would also say, Think of, we'll say your non-believing friends, but you know, it could be believing friends that are confused. How many times, like a trial lawyer setting you up, they will say, how can a good God allow this to happen in my life, in my friend's life, and so forth? So that, that's, a, that's a question, and I, I don't know how to say this, but that's set up. The premise of that is a false setup. But... And then they'll go on to say or think God is either mean or weak. He's up there like this or he's not able to pull it off. And, of course, we know, and this is very important with regard to suffering, very important. God is who he is and his character never changes and is independent of our circumstances. He's going to join us in there. But no one can ever tie the sovereignty of God and our circumstances to his character. His character never changes. It's perfect. And, and that's a mistake that many, many make. And therefore, they're off on the whole wrong track. I mean, how can a good God? They don't understand Genesis 3. They don't understand the brokenness. And therefore, they have no chance. Tim Keller at the bottom of that uh, syllabus that I gave you, could somebody read the quote uh, that Tim Keller has there? We will learn how to move from an attitude of why is this happening to me to one of total trust and openness to Jesus to listen and learn from him in and through our desperation when he has our attention. Thank you. So let me ask you a question. Does, does the Lord have our attention when we're on the mountaintops or in the valleys? It's just, it's just human nature, right? Look Kathy. All, look, look at all the benefits and the good that happened to so many people feeling delayed because of his suffering and what he went through on yes. the cross and the benefits as a result of that. Absolutely. Thank you. There's often a mystery about attached to our trials. Sometimes it's real clear what's happening, but other times we don't know what's going on. We don't understand it. And, and if you think about that, God gave us reasoning powers, right? Animals don't have that. We have reasoning powers. So we're built to try and make sense of things, whether it's in business or wherever, relationships. We're trying to make sense of it. And, you know, why it's happening, you know, what's happening, but we don't always understand. And that can be really frustrating. And I, I, I think about Job, and, you know, Job is getting crushed, and his wife is saying, curse God, which he doesn't. But Job, since he doesn't understand what's happening, he is demanding an audience with the Lord of the universe. And this is one of my favorite verses. So somebody who's going to read this, Job 38, 1 to 4. This is what God has to say to Job. And you have to read it with emotion. So put your acting, you know, on whatever. So he's demanding, he's demanding answers, right? That should be right. What, what's happened? I mean, I want to know. And please, someone read with emotion what God says to him in Job 38, 1 to 4. Uh -oh. <laughs> then the Lord spoke to Job out of the 
storm, he said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words that have knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. I think to four is it was that the end of it? Yeah. Okay, thank you. So, so again, um, what is your name? Ben. Ben, thank you, Ben. So, what did God say? I mean, you basically, he Job's demanding an answer, and God's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. It gets back to we're going to learn trusting. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about lament and so forth. And, and it's another thing Christians, you know, I know I didn't know, you know, they think it's unholy to complain, to cry out to God. And, and we'll talk all about it, it, the Psalms. And what, what percentage of the Psalms do you think are laments? Just take a guess. Well, at least a third. At least. I mean, there are 150, mostly David, but not all. But but. We're afraid to be honest with God like he doesn't know. So it was okay that Job was struggling, but then when he was demanding, you know, then the Lord had to remind him. And that's what we have to remember. When we're getting crushed or our friend's getting crushed, it all boils down to, like my non-Christian friends, where they say, you have faith in faith. I say, no, I don't have faith in faith. I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ and his word. But it'll test our faith. So uh, along that line, oftentimes in suffering, and remember, we're just setting a context here. I'm just, uh, just giving you a taste. We, we may have to sit in the tension of suffering. And we don't like that. We want to get on with it. Some people want to stuff it. Other, other times we just say, I want to move through this. That's not what he wants. We, we, we need to be patient and trust and listen to what he has to tell us. And, you know, I'm sure I'll talk about this later. But in some of my suffering, it is so interesting. Since he had my attention, he was showing me sins in my heart, you know, pride, let's say, on the, the center of the universe. And working on that, which had nothing to do with why I was dying, you know, in, in, in suffering, losing my wife. So... To me, that's awesome. I hated it. You know, I could have told you, oh, I have this sin of pride and, and so forth. I mean, he sh started showing me like 20 levels of it. I'm like, this is awful. But it was a gift. So that's how powerful he is. He doesn't waste anything. So another thing, even though we don't understand, this is another gift from him. We may not understand what's going on, but he always makes it clear to us that we need him. That's a gift. That's not an answer, but it's like, Jimmy, you can't handle this. Come to me and let me help. So, um, and also we'll talk about fixing and what all that means. So just a, a few last things in the, the context here. God uses our trials in many ways. What would be some things that he does with us? in our trials, some, some, some things that, that would be beneficial, how he uses our trials in a general sense. I'll give you the first one. Go ahead, he Kathy. Or ben. Sorry? He takes away superfluity. Things that are superfluous that don't, aren't important. We, we concentrate more on things that are important. Yes, that's a, I didn't actually have that down. That's that excellent. Happens. Very good. Right. So did you hear that? So he's, he's the Lord, when we're getting crushed, he helps our perspective. The things of the world have a lesser impact when we're getting crushed. Brent? Well, one of the things that I have learned the past year, we were in an automobile accident. He's had a lot of problem, health problems and various cancer. I realized I was enjoying pretty good health before that, and I realized that I made good health almost like an idol, you know, that I, yes, it's 
something that I just really dwelled on and just always think, well, I need to get back to where I was. That's good. And it also has to do with, you have that thing about to be in control. Because I think we do like to be in control. Yes. And when your health is not good, we're not. We're not. Right. No, that's good. He builds our character. You guys are familiar with this. Romans 5, um, 3, and 3 to 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How about our faith? Suffering provides the opportunity to grow in our faith. We'll talk a lot about that. I know that you know that, but I think it's even deeper than we realize. We have the opportunity to have a secure hope in him. We really need him. We always need him, but I don't always realize that. Uh, what would be another? Anybody have another? What's one? What's, what's the famous verses? 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7. Does anyone know about the God of all comfort? You remember that one? So what, what would be a purpose, a way God would use their trials in terms of what we're suffering, but maybe somebody else in a similar? So like in my case, I lost my wife at a pretty young age. So I, I have the opportunity where the God of all comfort comforted me so that I then could comfort others in the same affliction. That's another huge part of suffering where we have the privilege of being used in the lives of others where we have a similar situation. And, and there, 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 there are others as well. I mean, I, I won't glory. We have the, he uses suffering, uh, the opportunity to bring glory to him. And I'm going to share that about what, how my wife did that um, in a second and so forth. So could somebody read at the bottom of the schedule um, the quote from Alistair, um, second from right above Tim Keller's? This is very, very important. You can probably think of some people. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about my wife, how he used her supernaturally in the face of horrific terminal cancer. Um, and uh, it, it's not natural when somebody is acting, having a joy and a peace amidst horrible circumstances. We can't do that on our own. I'll skip a little bit of this stuff, but I want to say something that's probably the theme of this class, and I'm stealing it from Pastor Alex. You won't remember probably, but November 26th, Rich was somewhere, and Alex preached a sermon on suffering. And he said the most awful, convicting, invasive thing in the form of a question that I think should be the theme, well, probably of our lives, but of this class. And he looked at the congregation and said, relative to suffering, is becoming like Christ enough for you or us? Is becoming, in, so think of suffering and how awful it can be. That question, that rhetorical question, gets at the whole essence of why we're here today and for the next six weeks. Do we want to become more like Christ? Now, we're not going to say, have, I want this terrible thing to happen, and I want this terrible thing to happen. But when they do, one of the most incredible gifts and blessings is, and I'm ruining some of my other you know, lines, is that we have the opportunity in our desperation to grow closer than we ever dreamed. And I don't know about you, but when I got absolutely crushed, I was never desperate like that before and was so teachable like a child in Matthew to just fall at his feet and get help. That is the greatest gift of all with regard to suffering when he has our attention. So 
like Pastor Alex is becoming like Christ enough for us. That was really good. So let's, uh, let me just give you, I'm a little bit behind here. Anybody have anything you want to say at this point before I, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a taste so that you're sure to come back the, the next six weeks. And uh, so this is just intro here. Uh, next week, one of the most important things that you've heard me say several times is we're going to establish who it is we serve. We're going to establish that with the God of the Bible, that he is sovereign, that he is good, that he desires his best for us. And the scripture that supports that, we'll, 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 we'll have a lot of scripture in this class, but we'll also take it and practically apply it. But remember I was talking about our belief system? I want to keep hammering that home. What we believe about the Lord of the universe, what we believe about God's word, will determine how we suffer, how we handle trials, how we can help others who are going through suffering. So um, that will establish that, all the scripture that goes with it. And then we will we'll talk about how we apply a, bi a biblical perspective to our trials we need to believe God is who he says he is in scripture, that his word is true, that he, he desires to equip us for every good work, trust what he teaches us about trials, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that we want to keep in mind is a theme. We want to learn to rely, it's getting really hot in here, rely on God, not ourselves. As Paul said in scripture, um, and we'll talk about that later, we're going to talk a little bit about biblical hope, and biblical hope is so exciting because it's, it's not wishful thinking, it's an absolute confidence in, in God's promises. And so we'll unpack that a little bit. We'll talk about ways next week how not to suffer. You know, we too often want to sweep our, our trials, you know, under the rug or stuff them. Uh, we don't want to be honest with God as if he already doesn't know every motivation of my heart and your heart. We're going to talk about how Suffering can be a sacred journey. Stole that from Dan Allender, and we'll talk about some of the things that he shares on ways that people will avoid pain and miss out on all the great benefits. I always say it in, in not the fancy way of saying it, but you, everybody's going to get a whammy, but if we turn away from God, we get the double whammy. We get no benefit of drawing closer to him and growing. We get crushed, and we get no, you know, no help. I don't want a double whammy. I don't want a whammy, but if I get whammed, I don't want the double one. <laughs> so, and then we'll talk about next week, God's purposes in our suffering. Uh, we may not understand why we suffer, but we know he does. And the last thing is, just a question for you. We, we, we know how powerful the master is. Here's a question. Do we have any role in our suffering, we, we know that he's sovereign and good and desires his best, but do we have a role as a believer? Yes, we do. We, 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 we have, we, he gives us free will. We can either turn to him or we can run. And... Uh, so that's next week. Then, if, if you're looking at your syllabus, not, not the one, the shorter one I gave you that, that has the six weeks, then we're going to talk about how he uses suffering. God uses suffering to refine us in the fire. And, uh, you know, there's some great things in the power of the gospel uh, in this, you know, viewing our trials in light of the gospel. And, uh, you know, again, our perspective and... and, and uh, preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. We'll touch, touch on that. Trusting him in our trials, and there are several people like Job and Habakkuk, you know, he's referred to Habakkuk, um, how they uh, had a trust that's beyond comprehension to me in the face of what they had. Um, how God tests us to grow our faith in the suffering, pure, purifying us in the trials. Um, just uh, keep this in, in mind. Trials often expose what is most wrong in our hearts when we surrender to him. Like I told you the example of me with pride. Even though our sin may have nothing to do with our trials, Jesus may use, 
the trial to address these areas. Keeping an eternal perspective in trials, we'll talk about that. And then Jerry Bridges from his book, Trusting God, you know, seeking to learn from our adversity. You know, do we always have a mindset when we're in these situations? What can I learn? It's sort of like I have a prayer card. Where is my sin in this? What have I done wrong? Like if I'm in a, a disagreement with a friend or something, what do you want me to learn? So when we're getting crushed, what, 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 what are you teaching me, Lord? What can I learn? Bringing God's word to bear, um, pruning, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that uh, that'll be that's week three. Then week four, five, and six, we're going to get deeply into lament. Does anyone know? Can you can you give a take a stab at what lament is? That's really good. That that. It's, it's the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling, wrestling with the paradox of the pain and the promise of God's goodness. Think about it. That's a mouthful. An honest cry. Very good, Michelle. The other one I like, it's a prayer in pain that leads to trust. And we're going we're gonna to get into the scriptures and we're going to get into a book and, you know, we'll, we'll have a book. It's Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And don't get it. We'll, we'll get it. Um, but I never understood lament at all. And understanding it is so powerful. So when I was getting crushed, I was lamenting, but I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, um, so we will, we will really unpack that in weeks four, five, and six. Um, in, in week six, you will, you will have to have done your homework. You'll be learning about lament in weeks four and five. And then you'll have a thing that will help you to actually write your own lament. And Molly, you remember this. And we'll bring it to class in week six. And along with other things, break into small groups and, and get to share the intimate lament. I mean, you don't have to do it, but everybody did last year. And it was such a blessing. I mean, my wife died 10 years ago. I did one, and it was powerful for me. So that will lead up to that in, in the final week, but we'll really get into what is lament, how to do it. And I'll just give you one example, and I've touched on this before today. People, people think that it's dishonoring and disrespectful to God. They, they're not reading the Psalms to cry out, where are you? Why is this happening? What in the world are you doing? Complaining to God is different than complaining about God. We don't complain about God, but we, we should be coming to him. What is happening, Lord? Why? And so forth. So that's a little bit of the, uh, the, what the, the course will look like. I hope, hopefully that will be helpful. Um, let me, the elders asked me last year to share with you briefly why I'm so passionate about suffering as it relates to my personal situation and my wife. So they're the, you have to blame them, you know. I, uh, but I, I do wanna just briefly share it. And so I would say, start with this. There are two points that I wanna be able to make. First of all, to see my wife up close with a terminal illness, have a peace and joy for 14 years was so supernatural. I mean, she was a sinner like the rest of us, but it was so powerful. I want to share that briefly. And then she dies, and I want to share how he got a hold of me miraculously and what he did to me. Um, so about five minutes or so, let me just start with... so. My wife first, talk about just what that was like. She had a 14-year battle with a terminal cancer in her gut that went to her liver. She died at 57. It was 10 years ago. And uh, she was the love of my life. Her name was Laurie. And uh, we dated for three years. We were married for 36. And so I met her when I was 20. She's 19 my entire adult life, you know, until she 
She died in 14. And uh, she was an incredible gift from God. I, I mean, and, and you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. Uh, she, I would say, definitely way above my pay grade. And I knew that, but everybody around me made sure I never forgot in those years, during those years, that I was very blessed. And uh, she was as healthy as anybody could be her whole life until she wasn't. And uh, we found out in the beginning of 2000 that she had a very deadly cancer, very rare. And over the course of these 14 years, she had 12 operations, constant chemo, so many side effects. And basically, in the last two years, she struggled unbelievably. But, and God did many miracles in the middle of that for 11 years, which I won't talk about, but um, which was a, really a gift to our family. But the main point I want to share about Laurie's battle with cancer is with this diagnosis, as I said, it was, it was surreal. She, was, she had a joy and a peace and, and the Lord just flowing out of her in the midst of this supernaturally. And unless you knew her really well, up until the last two years, you wouldn't even know she had cancer. And uh, I had this front row seat to watch this woman live with grace under fire, an unbelievable fire. And it deeply impacted me, my family, and so many others, you know, in our lives. She loved the Lord very, very much and trusted him no matter what was happening and uh, his sovereignty every step of the way. And it was such a process. Just imagine, and, and, and many of you have probably had this, but you know, you're in the oncology offices all the time. You're just sitting there and you're looking to make eye contact when the oncologist comes in to see have the tumors come back or not. Over and over and over. I mean, it was really, really hard. Um, but anyway, um, I want to say that John Piper wrote a book, and I forget, you know, it was years ago, and he had this line in the book, don't, it, might, it might actually even be the title of it, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Well, my wife didn't. And he, he's the one that did it, but through her. Her approach to life during this whole ba battle, as I said, brought so much glory to him. And time and again, when people would ask her, they'd say, how are you so joyful and, it, and so much at peace and she was such a listener and would just sit with people and they would say how are you doing this and you know she would just gently explain to them that it was all the Lord it wasn't it wasn't her strength and you know she spent all those years leading multiple women's bible studies I used to call them the old women her age and young girls and you know so many individuals that she would minister to this is why she is with this terminal illness and, you know, listening to others and not talking about her own situation at all. I mean, I'm her husband and she hardly complained to me. And uh, so anyway, you know, she was deeply immersed in God's word every day. She was, she was very filled with the spirit and she was a prayer warrior and I'm watching all of this stuff. And so anyway, um, I would just say I could go on about it, but to finish it, I was forever changed, and many others were, not only my sons, but others that were close to her, the way that the Lord just poured out of her, like his rivers of living water, you know, right up until the very end. And I had just never seen anything like that, so I praise God for that experience. I wanted her to stay, but given that he took her home, and she's definitely doing a lot better now, but... You know, I'd love to have her by my side. Anyway, the second piece is uh, just very briefly is me. So what I want you to understand about how what he did in my heart is just picture this. So my soulmate dies in her 50s after this long battle. And I've already shared we're best friends. I was crazy about her. There's no question about it. So she's gone. And my two sons, they're out of the house. And, uh, you know, both were, one's married and the other one's working. So I'm all by myself, and I had been taking care, I had the privilege of taking care of my wife full time for the last year of her life. So I'd never lived alone in my entire life, ever, ever. 
college, after college, before I got married, never. So I'm spiritually, emotionally, and physically a wreck. I had nothing left in the tank, and I felt as if I had a full body amputation. That's the best way I can describe it. I lost my one flesh, one flesh soulmate that God brought to me. I'm like, well, you brought her to me. So anyway, I'm alone. I'm not working. I was always working. I'm not working. And I went from going 100 miles an hour, you know, and having this long illness, taking care of full time, to a, a, a full hard stop. And my life was just completely turned upside down. I was grieving so deeply. I was numb. It was surreal. It was like in slow motion. It was terrible. It was like I was in another world. But what I wanted to share with you is that I had never experienced anything like this before. I'd never been desperate like this. You know, we all have certain things happen here and there, but I had never had a desperation like I had here. I just fell at the Lord's feet and begged him to help me go on. I was crying out for mercy. Uh, I don't even remember everything, but it was surreal and it was horrible, absolutely horrible. So in those early stages, you know, I could feel him drawing me closer. I would just spend hours a day because I wasn't working. I was lamenting, but I didn't know what I was doing. And, and really nothing, nothing made me comfortable really, but in his word, I didn't really retain much, but I had a, a peace when I was just with him. And, you know, Christ was always an important part of my life. I got saved in 87. I was 32, big part of our marriage, our family, all those things. But I had never been helpless and needy and just flat out like I was. And I realized, you know, I realized I always needed him like this, but I didn't realize that because things were going well in our family for a long time. So what did he do, the point of the story, what did he do with this broken man? Well, something different than I asked for as we get to the end here. As I started to get my sea legs back, I said, well, get, find me another business. You know, you know, what am I going to do? Laurie's gone. All I know how to do is work. And uh, so look, let, let me get back in, into business. And so I was looking at a bunch of things. And nothing was really fitting, you know, either I didn't like it or it just it wasn't a good fit and so forth. And in the meantime, he's sending me these people, you know, mentoring opportunities. And I had done some of that before, you know, before work, maybe after work and so forth. But, you know, all kinds of men of all ages, boys and men, or it could be marriages. And so I continue on and I'm doing some of that and I'm like yeah I can do that you know in and around work and bottom line is all, all of a sudden I, I finally realize you know he's closed the door to me going back to work and he's opened up this door for me to be in full-time lay ministry mentoring lay counseling went to covenant took some 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 courses and so forth and I'm not asking for this. I'm telling him, not a good idea to tell him. <laughs> I'm telling him, find me a business. And he quietly, you know, just, just gives me an entirely new purpose in my life. An entirely new purpose. I mean, it's unbelievable. Because it's hard to describe this, but the loss was so enormous I can't even put words to it. And we all have, you know, our situations like that. What does he do? He says, okay, Jimmy, I'm going to use you in the lives of others, pouring into others. And, you know, you need to have children to keep you humble. They're like, oh, pops, you know, you're getting way more out of this than anyone you're helping. And I'm like, you're right. I, I, I am. But uh, so I miss my, my sweet Laurie to this day, you know, this morning even. But he took the worst thing that ever happened to me in my entire life. And short of when he saved me, he gave me the greatest gift ever. Way more, way deeper relationship with him than in my spiritual pride before than I ever thought possible. And that's our God. So that, I just wanted you to, that's why I'm so passionate. Um, what I'd like to do 
is maybe take a few minutes. Any, anybody, everybody's very quiet. I know I, I, I was talking a lot there. Um, I think what would be helpful is you're going to have homework, like I said, so I'm hoping you do it. But there's a sermon by Alistair on biblical suffering. And I think it lays out very, very well a lot of the things that we're going to be covering. And what I want to do is I'm going to give you a teaser and play just a little bit of it now. But the sermon will be posted on Church Center. Everybody's going to have to go to Church Center, along with all the other assignments and homework and so forth that's available for you to do. But I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to come prepared, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this at the end. I want to, at the beginning of next week's class, talk about the sermon and then talk about some of the handouts um, that, that you have with you now. So let's uh, see if I can do this. I encourage you to take your Bibles and uh, follow along with me tonight. And may I say that you're going to need your Bibles if you care to stay with what I'm about to do. And you have to be prepared to read along or else decide right at the beginning that you just don't want to. But there will be a lot of page turning because I'm not going to stay in one uh, portion of Scripture. But I'd like to begin by turning our attention to 1 Peter, which was where we read from this morning in our worship. And some of you may have guessed that uh, I was going to uh, speak at least in part from there, and I was. But the Lord ordered things in a different direction, and so we moved with that, and uh, thankfully so. I'd like you to know that if I were giving a title to what I'm going to share with you tonight, it would simply be um, suffering a biblical perspective. It may seem that um, that's a kind of strange thing with one attempt and out the door, strange thing to speak on, but it, it's just been on my heart. And I've been made aware of the fact that behind so many smiles and concealed by the niceness of our apparel, there are many, many people who are suffering tonight in the family of God. They're suffering, perhaps physically, without it being known to others. They may suffer from great fears of illness, suffering emotionally, suffering spiritually, suffering psychologically, and actually, the fact is that we don't really know what lies behind the eye gaze of the people who are around us. Uh, one of the things that happened as I was in Keswick, I was met by the man who formerly played the organ in the church in Edinburgh. He came up to me, greeted me warmly. He and his wife were there. And his smile was as white as it ever was. And he presented me with this little book entitled Goodnight James. And it is the story of his son, who began primary school in 1975, as I began as the assistant there in that church. Within nine years, he went into the presence of the Lord Jesus. He was suffering from cystic fibrosis and had a quite tremendous struggle through those young years of his life, and yet was an accomplished organist, was uh, two years ahead of his peers academically, was a radiant wee boy. And tonight, he's in heaven. Well, his dad gave me this book with a certain amount of uh, empathy. I took it and uh, was reminded that their daughter was at the convention as well and how I looked forward to seeing Rhoda. And Rhoda came to me wheeled in a chair by one of her friends because from birth, Rhoda has suffered from cerebral palsy. 
And as I looked at the couple and saw them enter into the joy of worship, the reality of discovery in God's word, it reminded me again that when Peter wrote those words in 1 Peter 4 about a fiery ordeal, he wasn't just locked in the first century. Indeed, the whole of 1 Peter says so much about suffering, and it's a kind of discipleship manual for the family of God. Let me just pinpoint one or two verses. Verses 6 and 7 of the first chapter, he says of the salvation, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In chapter 2, in the verse 19, he speaks of it again. He says, it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. He goes on to speak of the suffering of Christ. Chapter 3 and verse 13, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Verse 17, it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Chapter 4, verse 12, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. And if we had nowhere else to go at all in the scriptures to build a biblical doctrine in relation to this, other than 1 Peter, there is sufficient here to let all of us know unequivocally that suffering is not something that we ought to seek to chase from us or to try and bolster up our thinking in such a way as to believe it to be an illusion. And it is important for us to understand that because we're living in an environment, at least if I understand it correctly, in which the notion of suffering is set over and against a kind of triumphalism in the Christian faith so that we are supposed to be triumphant. And of course we are. And we're supposed to be victorious. And of course we are. But those things do not exist separate from the realities of life for all of us which bring us into realms that are often extremely painful. Romans chapter 8, and Woody read it for us a moment or two ago. He read from the 18th verse. Notice now the 17th verse. Paul says, now if we are children, that is God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Hands up all those who tonight want to share in Christ's glory. And all the hands go up. Keep your hands up if you are honestly prepared to share in his suffering. And most of the hands go down. If we're honest. Because there is that natural propensity within us to shy away from anything which would confront us with weakness and which would make life difficult for us. But it is an interesting thing that when you read in Acts chapter 5, we find that the apostles were delighted that they were able to suffer for proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. They took them in and beat them up, and then they sent them out. And did they come out moaning? And okay. So, for homework, please listen to that full sermon. It's probably 40 minutes. Um, and also, the handouts, if you could, take a close look at them. I think you'll benefit, and I'd like to talk about the sermon and the handouts at the beginning of class um, next week. Um, I'm supposed to, I was never good about doing this last time. Let's see, announcements. See if I can manage this. There, the Ascend, the Ascend uh, Ignite Conference uh, is February 23rd to the 25th. Oh, good. There it is up there. Okay. Newcomer Night, I assume, is that at your house, Michelle? Um, that is March 8th at 630. Everybody go if you want free food. No, no. Uh, 
And I guess big news about the great jungle journey, uh, the VBS is coming back in June. You see those dates there. Easter services will be on your bulletin um, for March 29th and the 31st. That's it. Anybody have any, anything you want to say before we close? <laughs>